for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome, everybody. I'm Joe Gillia, and this is your Insights Edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting, where we want to talk and learn about all things elk. On today's special edition, it's a conversation with John Stallone from the Days in the Wild podcast concerning a petition and a ballot initiative that is proposing to make it illegal to pursue, shoot, snare, net, or capture any wild cat in the state of Arizona. Y'all, John and I discussed the petition, repercussions, and how you can take action to prevent this attack on hunting as well as those yet to come. So, pull up a chair, adjust your volume just right, and welcome to this special Insights edition of Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by oldgrows.com, with your host, elk hunting coach, Joe Gillick. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Man, I tell you, uh, today's an important topic because uh, not only is he talking about this on his own Days in the Wild podcast, but John's on, on with us today because he wants to talk about his home state, some things that are happening there, an initiative that has been started by the Humane Society of the United States that would ban hunting of lions and bobcats in that state. And for a lot of people, you're wondering, well, what does this have to do with elk hunting? It has everything to do with elk hunting. It has everything to do with hunting. And we're going to talk about that on today's show. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. And thanks for the kind words in the intro. Um, just a little quick background about myself. I've uh, been hunting since I'm five. And I'm uh, 45 years old now. So 40 years of hunting, 30 some odd years of bow hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
been living in Arizona since 1991, so 30, almost 31 years now. And uh, so I've hunted elk that long and and mule deer and coos deer and, and javelina. Uh, but my, my original background is from hunting whitetail back east. I was born in New York. Um, but, uh, so I, uh, just so you know where some of this comes from and my, uh, a little bit more about my background, I have a master's degree, uh, from Colorado state university in rangeland management and ecology. I am a certified deer steward from Clemson university and, uh, certified Forrester from Penn Forrester. I got a professional certificate from Penn Forrester. So I know enough to be dangerous. Um, I don't <laughs> practice. Uh, my, my main business is, uh, is swimming pools and not, uh, anything to do with the wildlife management or wildlife biology, but I know enough, like I said, to be dangerous. So I, mm-hmm. when I look at things, I, I, I always look at things from the eyes of wildlife management. Even in my day-to-day life, I've kind of grew that way. It was a very systematic way of looking at things and uh, and coming up with a solution that benefits everything. You know, a holistic view, and that's always been right. my, that's always been my premise. So, uh, just I just wanted to lay that foundation down so that you know that this is not coming strictly from my love of hunting. It's coming right. from my love of the habitat of the animals. And, and everything that, that goes with that. Right. So. Yeah. So the whole purpose of this, this is an information show. This is a, this is a show to get the word out um, for hunters to understand what's going on and, and to mainly understand that, you know, sure, this is happening in Arizona, but it's happening all over the United oh, yeah. States. And this is just one part of a movement that uh, it, it becomes a domino effect from one place to the other. And that's the goal of some people that have started this initiative. So right. uh, it, the exact goal. And and we and the thing is, is, you know, we're going to talk about I'm going to let you explain this, what's going on in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about and relate this to what's already happened in California um, and the effects it's had there right. and our role and what we need to do, how to be proactive and how to um do the things we need to to ensure that we protect the science of what needs to be done and in protecting our animals and conserving what we have right now right right exactly so um in your in your introduction you were talking Mm -hmm. about uh people being able to vote on it and so on and so forth so in arizona the game and fish commission makes all the rules and it's everything is presented by the game and fish department. So it's it's not something that it's not a ballot box thing that you can do, but what they do do is every, every five years they relook at all the rules and they relook at all the, um, the laws put in place. And we have a comment period from January 1st to January 31st. Mm-hmm. So what is being what is happening right now is that Houston is laying down the foundation for them, and to, you, and which is you forcing said, you them. Said to, Houston, you want to explain that name because yeah, Houston is uh, Humane Society of uh, of the United States. Mm-hmm. They're the main driver. There's a couple other organizations kind of 
um, going hand in hand with them. That's uh, Arizona Mountain Lion Society, and then there's another uh, smaller bio- biological group in uh, Tucson like that I don't remember the name right now. Um, mm-hmm. That is involved, and what they're doing is they're getting their their followers, their their peers to comment on on this open comment session that saying that they want these things banned. And what happens with that is there's going to be this skewed um, view of everything because there's all these comments coming from that side. And now when the Fish and Game Commission go to look at the comments, they're going to see 2,000, 3,000 emails from people saying they don't want mountain lion hunting. And we don't even know that this is going on. If, if it wasn't for somebody in the department that kind of leaked it out, mm-hmm. there would be no opposition from us. So, and then in the, in the commission's eyes, there's all these people are against it and nobody, you know, against for. hunting and yeah. there's nobody yes. for hunting right. commenting. So what happens is it forces them to look at the, relook at everything and possibly structure a law. So the last time this happened, I want to say it was 2017, Arizona lost some mountain lion privileges. We were not, we were allowed to hunt them year round. We didn't have a season. There was, it was, it just became more strict. So what they did was, oh, let's throw them a crumb, you know, let's, let's appease them a little bit. Right. And that's what happened. And this is what's happening across the country is that we keep, you know, you know, the old saying, giving them an inch and they're going to take an arm, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it keeps, it keeps going that way. They, we keep giving in little by little, they're chipping away at everything, every little thing. And our hunting rights are going away because of it. And it's not, has sometimes very, very, very few times there is a valid point. And when it is a valid point and it is going to help the overall system, I stand by that because my ultimate goal, like I said earlier, is that we have healthy, you know, populations out there, that the habitat's healthy, that everything, that the whole system works the way it should work, right? Right. But most of the time, more than most of the time, almost all the time, it's all driven by their, I'm going to say emotion, right? This is driven by their emotions and not looking at the big picture. And that, that's what our, that's what our goal should be. So, um, I sit on the board for a, a, a new, um, a new organization called Howl for Wildlife. And what Howlful Wildlife does is just this, what's going on right now, only deals with um, hunting bans and how it's related to wildlife management and hunting, okay? Mm -hmm. Hunting and fishing, I shouldn't say. I'm leaving fishing out because there's a lot of this going on in the fishing world too. Um, So it's sportsmen. It's, It's a tool for sportsmen to use to direct their voice 
because we don't have that right now, right? So what we have, we have Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. We have, you know, uh, Bighorn Sheep. We have uh, Whitetail Unlimited. We have Mule Deer Foundation. We have all these different organizations, and they do great work. But their main focus is on their niche, and we never well, it never brings us together, right? Well, and even even like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, they're by how they are uh, legally, they're not able to lobby. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So, and we're not, and we're not, we don't want to lobby either. So that's what we have sportsman's Alliance for and, Correct. and groups like that, Boone and Crockett club. Um, those are the lobbyists. Those are the, those guys are, once it gets to litigation, that's and or, or, or at that point, what Howful Wildlife wants to do is play the same game that our opponents are playing. And that is nipping stuff in the bud before it even gets to a point where it's a problem. So you brought up California. California, right. this is how it, we, we started as an organization. Uh, last year, um, there was a, an initiative to remove bear hunting altogether. And we put out, we put out the word. We used, we used several different tools to uh, gain uh, twenty some odd thousand um, people signing a petition. Right, that's what we use petition for that particular thing. So right. we twenty thousand plus people in two days, and we said, "Boom! Here you go. See, the public doesn't want this." And guess what? They removed that from the ballot immediately. And we were like, wow, this is powerful. We did it again with the hound hunting in, uh, it was in Nevada. Yes, it was Nevada. The hound hunting in Nevada, boom, got it removed. And we're like, okay, now there's something to this. The reason why, and I went and we looked, the reason why we lose so much is because we sit there and wait. Like our systems for doing this right. are reactive. so slow. They're all reactive. Mm -hmm. Right, we yeah. we re I mean, this is still going to be reactive. We're not pro on anything because we're not going to go poke the bear if we don't need to. But um, it it's slow reacting. We wait till it gets to the point where we have to throw money at it, and and throw lawyers at it, and so on and so forth. And then you know, um, it becomes a bigger problem, and it it's co it's costly and. That money could be going to habitat development, could be going to other things, right? That absolutely that these yeah. other organizations want to use it for. Um, so what Hal's doing is basically that we're gonna we're gonna get everybody together, um, and you know, virtually get everybody together and and nip stuff like this in the butt, and um, and and that's the main pre premise behind Halfa Wildlife, and I'll get into a little bit more how we're how we're using that for this particular uh, initiative that's going on right now. So this is like mm -hmm. a perfect perfect for it because it's not yet where we're fighting for you know directly for it you know because it's not on the chop block yet, but it will be right because it has to be because that is the way the system works and they're playing the system very well. They know. That if they do this, the fishing game has to do something to satisfy. Well, it's, a very, it's a very planned out strategy. Right. Yeah. 
like I said, they're laying the foundation for it. And so we need to lay the foundation. And it's been the MO of these organizations to do this for forever. You know, they're constantly throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And um, one analogy I like to use is like criminals. They'll go commit a small little robbery or something to see what the response time is of the cops, right? Of the police. And now they know, okay, now we could go do this big heist because it takes them seven minutes or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, and this is like the same thing. This is the same thing that they do constantly over and over and over again. Um, So when one might, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Maybe one will say, well, well, you don't want to show your hand then, right? But no, the thing is our voice will resonate and it will stay It'll stay there. It's not like you're you're blocking it once. You're now the fishing game knows. Oh well, there's twenty thousand people that will not do not want this. And not to say that they couldn't rally to twenty thousand people, but they like low hanging fruit, and they sure. keep and they keep going after low hanging fruit. The fruit. That's why they've already got rid of. Coyote calling contests. And listen, I'm, I never really did coyote. I'm a predator hunter, but I never did a contest. Um, I understand it doesn't show, you know, you're not winning the hearts and minds of non-hunters with stuff like that. So right. for me, I was like, I was on the fence, but I was, a, I was upset that we were going to lose another right. But the actual right that we were losing, I wasn't completely like, okay. As long as you don't lose predator hunting, I get the right. contest. Thing. I got it, you know. So like, there's certain little, little things that like, yeah, you may think is okay, but it's just an avenue for them to go. Okay, we got yeah, this. It, Let's go to the next thing. Let's get sets precedence, yeah, and it sets the next thing. Yeah, in and the a next sense, thing. We almost gotta police ourselves a little bit. I don't. I don't even know if I want to use the word police ourselves, but we have to, like you said, we have to you know, present ourselves in a positive way to, I mean, there's 10% of us in the country that hunt. There's 10% that are anti-hunters. There's 80% in between right. that have no opinion that, you know, uh, when things like this happen, it's good that we have educated that opinion so that they understand it and they understand the purpose. They understand the goals of, uh, uh, and, and what hunters bring to the table for conservation and, um, ensuring the proliferation and this, that this resource that these animals that all of us love so much are going to be here for such a long time. So I I see that, you know, and uh, you know, you, when you bring that up though, you you actually talk about some of the the problem amongst ourselves though, John, in Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, yeah. So many of us, uh, we, we feel like, well, that's okay. As long as we protect our own little, niche whether we're an elk hunter or whether we're a houndsman or whether we're you know uh, we we all have our own little hunting cultures and and we have this tendency just to uh, stay in our own little bubble and not worry about what happens as a whole Mm -hmm. uh and things like this do have a huge effect right it's 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 crazy that people don't realize that i mean what is a guy in South Carolina, who hunts whitetail and hogs, give a shit about, you know, a guy in New Mexico hunting elk. They they don't, right? That guy probably will never go elk hunting. He might want to go. He might dream about going, but he probably will never go. Mm -hmm. And 
so that's the mentality. What, but the, here's the problem is, um, actually a good buddy of mine, Sam, I had, we talked we were talking about this a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. he brought up this and it's, it's like, it's a biblical thing. And I can't remember exactly how it goes. I'm probably going to screw it up, but the basic premise behind it is, you know, I asked John for help and John refused me. And now that John needs help, I am no longer there to help him because what happens is like, so, all right, let's say I'm a lion hunter. Lion hunting goes away. Okay. Now I, I'm like, okay, lion hunting goes away. I'm going to pick a new hobby, right? I'm going to go, I don't know, snowboarding instead. That's my new thing. I'm going to go mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, five years from now, you, the guy I asked for help is an elk hunter. And I'm like, Hey, he's now they're coming for elk hunting. And you go to, you go to me and say, Hey, I need your help. Well, one, you didn't help me. So I'm less likely to help you. But two, I'm not there anymore. I'm not even in the hunting thing. Like that's not even my thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm, it's, it, I'm kind of, making it very drastic right there. But that is, that's what's going to happen is sure. they're going to get one thing. They get their foot in the door with one and then they go for the next thing. And then they go for the next thing and they go for the next thing. We, and, as, and as you lose those opportunities, you lose hunters. And as you lose right. hunters, you lose voice. As you lose voice, um, exactly. you're going to, yeah. Uh, it's, it just uh, all continues to go downhill from there. Their biggest advantage is that we are so divided as a group and we're not divided in the sense that we hate each other but we we just do different things so we're not together and plus it's an individual sport right for the most part technically Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's not really a team sport um so they use that against us we need to be unified have one voice, one howl, so to speak, and that's what Howl for Wildlife is focused on, is to unify us all in one direction and that one, you know, one is not as strong as many. And we're all going to be focusing our efforts in one shot. And um, it's, I, I think it's silly for us not to be that way because you're spiting, you know, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you don't get involved. You know, you can't if you can't be bothered by something that's something that you don't do even though it's adjacent to what you do, you're it's going to sure. eventually come back and, and get you. It's eventually going to come back and bite you in the ass. Well, so. and it happens in it happens in other ways. I, I and this is maybe a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but you know, you you talked about California, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of hunters in California, and as they started to lose those abilities to hunt, some of those things get restricted. Uh, they decide to take their passion elsewhere. And, you know, you have other states out there that, that, um, that still support that is still part of their culture. Mm -hmm. And that starts to look a whole lot nicer. So then all of a sudden now you have this vast exodus of people from one state Mm -hmm. going to another state, which creates a whole different. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. So here in Arizona and, and not Uh necessarily an exodus, but 
Well, I mean, there has been an exodus here. There's millions of people moving from California to Arizona right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But even those that are not moving, I just came back from Southern Arizona. I was down there for two days hunting for myself. I saw, I'm kind of giving you arbitrary numbers, but Mm -hmm. 80% of the vehicles I saw had California license plates. About 5% were from New Mexico and a couple from Texas and Idaho. Mm Mm-hmm. I did not see any Arizona plates down there where I was hunting. Is that crazy? That's yeah, it really is. I mean, the part of that has to do with the popularity of this hunt, um, and and influencers and so on and so forth, kind of promoting it. But mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with what you just said because they don't have the same opportunities. I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunity to hunt in California. I go to hunt in California all the time. I'm not I'm not saying that they're, you know, it's it's not void of. And there was a lot of hunters there, lots and lots of hunters. Right. Um, but but as you do but things I understand like what get, you're saying. Get, get rid of mountain lion hunting. Well, they have to go somewhere else. Directly. Yeah. Well, but that's going to affect your deer herd. That's yep. going to affect uh, your unglit. You know, all especially you know, like you were talking about bobcats and you mm-hmm. know, and I know um, they've done studies here in New Mexico that one of the, you know, um, one of the high reasons for mortalities of cats are bears and bobcats. Right. You know, so uh, has a well, huge effect I actually on have the elk herd. I actually have those numbers for you. So we're, we're talking about California, right? So this mm-hmm. is real interesting, right? Um, before the mountain lion ban, um, bears were stealing mountain lion carcasses or kills you know, a few days mm-hmm. after it's been killed, you know, they've, they've fed on it a little bit, but they haven't finished it. And the bear comes in and claims it for his own. Uh, that was something somewhere in the 40 percentile of that happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 40% of black bears, uh, because mountain lions are subordinate to black bears, steal their kills. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which causes mountain lions to have to kill again to keep on feeding. Right. So. Right. That's a problem. Ever since the mountain lion deal, 77% of black bears, or 77% of mountain lion kills are stolen by black bears. Because there's so many more mountain lions killing and has right. more carcasses laying around, the bears don't have to hunt as much themselves. They're taking mountain lions. So the mountain lion, who's a much more efficient hunter, is going to kill more deer, more elk. Okay, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, bear, uh, you you mentioned bear are, they are responsible for ten percent mortality on elk calves. Right. And bobcats are responsible for ten percent mortality on fawns and deer. Um. But the ba- the main thing that is so if we go back to mountain lions, so it's well known, it's well documented in many states, different countries, that a mountain lion needs at least one big game animal a week to right. live. So, the state of Arizona, the fishing game is estimating about twenty five hundred lions right now, um, and it's been as high as four thousand. Um, in recent years, not like in the past, like a long time ago. Actually, a long time ago, there was less lions than there are now, believe it or not. 
there was a study done here in the uh, early 2000s that said a healthy population of mountain lion for the state is somewhere between 1,100 and 1,800 lions. And we have anywhere between 2,000 and 2,700 on any given year here. So we're already, already well above the carrying capacity of, of lions. And how many lions did you say are taken a year? Um, three, well, last year we took 320. So here, here's another point I want to bring out that a lot of people don't understand. Huge point is there are approximately about 10,000 tags sold in the year for mm-hmm. mountain lion. 10,000 tags. Yep. And only less than 400 mountain lions are taken. Mm-hmm. That means 9,600 of those tags times whatever. Because the, the, the reason people get mountain lion tags is it, it's incredibly – I mean, I don't know how many mountain lions you've seen in your lifetime walking around the right. woods. Uh, I've right? seen quite a bit, but I spend a lot of time. That's the whole thing right. is most people in their whole lives will never see a mountain lion. And but they, yet, they go out and buy this tag just in case they see one yes. so they could take a legal crack at it, right? That's yeah, absolutely. It's a huge point yeah. you bring it up. There's a big revenue chunk of revenue there that will be lost. Huge that chunk is of not, revenue. That is not <laughs> that is not being you know, they're just it's like a donation. They're giving it just to give it. It's less than what is what is 320 divided by 10,000? Uh, um, is that even less than 3% or is that 3%? I think it might be 3%. Yeah, yeah 3%. Yeah. 3.2% is what that is. Well, and, I'm doing and my because math in my head of the right. science, because of the research, because of the wildlife agencies that we have, uh, I'm not sure about Arizona. I don't know about that, but like in New Mexico, we have a cap. Only so many can be taken same per here. county or in different areas. Absolutely. And, we yeah. have the same thing here. So. Yeah, so I mean, you can sell ten thousand tags, but as soon as you reach your number within that there's hunt a, unit, there's a it's threshold. closed. Correct. Yeah, it's it's closed off. It's not like I mean, they use numbers like that, like ten thousand, and say, "Oh, well, man, we only have twenty five hundred. We're going to kill them all off." And, no, this no, they don't. Science, that's the thing. Man. They don't. They don't show that. They don't show that because why would they show that? That doesn't fit their agenda. Yeah, and, and yet. We got 9,600 some tags that are actually money coming in for mm-hmm. uh, conservation and preserving our wildlife. Right, exactly. And they so, want to eliminate that. That's, that's almost counterintuitive of what the goal of a humane society should be. It, it, most of what they do is, to be honest with you. So one of the main things I want to bring up, and I don't know New Mexico's numbers, but mm-hmm. in Arizona, there's about 110 thousand mule deer, fifty thousand coos deer, thirty thousand elk, forty thousand javelina. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the main undulates that get eaten by um by mountain lions and bears. Okay. And right. bobcats. Bobcats bobcats mean is um what are they called? Legomorphs, which is like uh your rabbits and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm leaving bobcat out because they only uh, only occupy 10% mortality, you know, on funds, which is a significant number, but it's not for not not for these numbers I'm going to give you. So that's a total of 230,000 animals, right? Mhm. 230,000 animals. And there's 2500 lions, okay? 
2,500 lions times 52 weeks. That's 130,000 big game animals a year that die from mountain lions in Arizona alone. 130,000. That's more than half of the total population, right? Right. They they did a study. Sixty six percent of the the kill is um, is preferred as mule deer, and then the next is elk. Um, I don't remember what the number was, but something like twenty five percent is elk, and the Sorry. rest is split between the coos deer and javelina. So I think your point being, if I if I see where you're going, is that if we don't control these numbers, and those numbers do increase. And that means that more of those ungulates are taken and those other animals are taken by cats because they are not in control, then that is going to directly, I mean, if there's less now, less elk, less deer, Mm -hmm. now you're going to have to control that with less tags and less hunting opportunities as well. Yeah. And I'm going to play devil's advocate. So the first thing you're going to hear out of a anti-hunter's mouth is, Mm -hmm. well, before man was involved in the management of all this it all was fine right um something to that extent that's you know very vague but if take us out of the equation take us out of the equation no more hunting right and Mm -hmm. and we saw this happen in kaibab which they almost completely destroyed the kaibab because it was a it was an experiment but if we let let's let the predators do what the predators do right and sure. they don't keep in check, and the, and fishing game doesn't do their flyovers and knock down the coyotes, and nobody shooting lions and bears and and bobcats, and we just leave let nature be, right? Eventually, in a in a bubble situation, let's say in a wilderness area that is really not affected by man very mm-hmm. often, eventually, it might even itself out, but it will take. Decades, decades and decades for that to happen. And what's going to happen originally is the predators are going to outnumber the outnumber that are going to keep killing, right? Until Mm -hmm. big game, until the big Mm -hmm. game is dwindled down to nothing. And then the predators are going to start starving off or they're going to switch to a, a buffer species like rabbits and so on and so forth. And then they're going to start dying off. And then once they die off and the predator and then the prey population keeps coming back or, or not keeps coming back, but starts coming back. Sure. It will eventually even itself out. But the problem is, is that man, this only works for those, my dog's barking in the background. Sorry about that. That's all right, man. Um, this only works for those bubble situations, right? So man is so heavily involved in in everything. And, you know, I, I said this to you earlier before we got on the podcast. When you and I were kids, there was there was less than 5 billion people in the world. There was like 4 billion something. And we're at 8 billion now. And well, we keep putting our hands in so much stuff that now it's our duty to manage. Otherwise, it's going to go away because we have taken away habitat. We've taken away resources. We constantly, we're, we're just a, we constantly consume, right? Absolutely. So, 
you know. Yeah, so man, man is not going away, and and so that that part of the equation isn't going to disappear. And what people don't realize is that there's other changes that affect that bubble as well. I mean, you know, uh, game used to be migratory at a time, but now because of cities, because of population, they're you know they're not able to reinfuse areas with animals from other areas. It's only what's within there, and. You know, I mean, I mean, also, like, I, I think weren't like jaguars and uh, some other animals added to this um, initiative in Arizona as well that are already protected? Um, I, they brought it up. I think they brought it up because they didn't want fishing game. This was back in 2017, I think, or uh-huh. maybe it was the previous five-year portion. Uh-huh. Um, because they did not want fishing game to uh, do any research on jaguars. And, and actually we had an incident, uh, and you'd have to look, I don't remember, this is some years ago, Macho B Mm -hmm. and Macho A, we had two collared jaguars in Southern Arizona and one of them died and Mm -hmm. the fishing game got sued by Husus, I think, or some other, Mm. you know, big group. Um, it was a big thing and that's how it got put on there. So now... Fishing game can no longer even monitor the jaguars here in in Arizona, and we have them. I mean, right. And and what most people don't understand is that jaguars are, even though they're a cat, um, the study on those are are they're critical because those are also cats that don't like competition. Jaguars were one of those animals that got rid of other predators that competed with them. Mm-hmm. So. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they, uh, there's so many intricacies to this whole dynamic and we absolutely, it's too late for us to not take part in it. If we don't take part in it, a lot of people don't realize, for example, here in New Mexico, New Mexico was void, completely void of all elk. Not one elk. In 1911, the first 15 elk were brought into New Mexico by a private landowner. Um, In fact, on the ranch that I guide on up here, they were brought in. um, And then another, I was either 15 or 30, and then another small group was brought in by the state. Every elk that we have in this state right now originates from that group Mm -hmm. that... Arizona is a similar story. Similar story. Yeah. There were, you know, basically we were, we, we did not get down to full extinction, but it was pretty darn close. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they, you know, most of the elk that we have here and you have there are all from Yellowstone. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yep. And, and brought in by hunters. Um, The monies to, create the herds that we have now that all these people want to see that all they love that all these elk that they love so much were brought in through the monies of hunting and hunters and right. hunters taking care of their resource and ensuring the longevity of that resource i mean it's just uh, so many things that people don't know and understand out there i mean it, it's 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 this it's this uh it's hard for people to believe that you can be 
a hunter and a caretaker at the same time. They just think that it's about taking and taking and taking. Right. But that's and that's one of the reasons that we have scientifically based um, departments of wildlife in our states to ensure that that is not the case and to utilize the monies in the wisest form and wisest way possible. Right. So, you know, and look, I, I know that these people are passionate about what they do, just like we're passionate. But when you let passion override the science is when it becomes a problem. Yeah, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little devil's advocate with you on it. There, our 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 passion or our desire to have it comes from an emotional place too, right? Sure. Um, and so we I don't fault them for having emotion about it, but what I do fault them is for not looking at the big picture, for not looking at the consequences of what they're asking. Um, mm-hmm. In their eyes, they're saving Bambi or they're saving a cute, cuddly bear or whatever. They're not looking at it through the proper lens and saying, well, you know what? This cute, cuddly bear is here because of this, because of these efforts, and I'm going to continue to be able to watch this bear. I don't have to shoot it. I, uh, that's my prerogative. Sure. I can go take photos of it. I can do whatever I want. Sure. Um, and... It's there and exists because of wildlife management and the North American conservation model. And th- that, I mean, you're, it's going to be very hard for you to teach people and to, to change their mind about that. But I ha- I've had these conversations many times with, with people and I don't, you know, you catch more catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. So it's important Absolutely. for you not to be combative and be, you know, argumentative and don't throw things in their face, but you need to let them know, Hey, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you, you understand that where money comes like the, I, it's funny. A few years ago, um, I was doing this workout class with, with, um, a bunch of young guys. They were all in their early twenties and late teens and whatnot. And here I was 40 something and, uh, I'd go work out with all these guys and somebody brought up that, Oh, that John's a, you know, bow hunter or whatever. And we got Mm -hmm. into the discussion and I basically, I asked, you know, this group of 10 kids and I'm like, Hey, do you guys know where the money for wildlife conservation comes from? And, you know, I'm like five of them raised their hand or whatever. And every one of them had the same same thought process as taxes. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't actually. It doesn't come from property tax and income tax and, you know, and uh, it comes from an excise tax called the Bittman-Robertson Act. And, um, and it comes from tag sales and it comes from donations to these um, – you know, hunting groups like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and and Mule Deer Foundation, et cetera. And they're right. all floored. And, you know, and I explained it to you. So there's a big void with the non-hunting. They just don't understand it. They think we're a bunch of Elmer Fuds out there shooting willy-nilly out the truck and we don't care about wildlife. And, you know, it's their money that we're getting to do 
these things on, but they don't understand that the, the wildlife, the wildlife is there because of the efforts of sportsmen. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that education just a step further. I mean, you take the situation and we go back to California. We go back to California because that's actually the litmus test right now. Yep. And, you know, you go back to California and where the hunting for the cats was, was stopped now, I believe, I can't remember what year, the exact numbers, but uh, I, I'm sure we can find those. But the state had to pay to have lions um, removed, Lions removed, man. I mean, in I fact, know. I think they had, it, to, had to pay and issue o- over 200 and some tags just to take lions because of the issue that they have. Now, the state is using monies that were set aside for... Uh, conservation and to help the animals and instead of letting hunters take care of that and actually putting money into the system like what you're seeing in those 10,000 tags Mm -hmm. in Arizona now they've lost stupid stuff like that that happens all over the country so back east um, Virginia I know I know exactly in stat I'm going to give you some stats in Staten Island, okay? Staten Island, New York. It's a very populated place, but they're overrun with turkey and overrun with deer. Literally there's turkey sitting on park benches and they will chase after you and you know like and there's deer <laughs> right. everywhere and they have a Lyme's disease problem. The state paid and I don't know exact numbers but I want to say it was $5 million to a program to have deer um, neutered, basically, sterilized. Depredated. Oh, no, sterilized. sterilized. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay, they didn't want to kill the deer. <laughs> so they, were capturing male, they were capturing bucks <laughs> wow. and making it so that they cannot reproduce. Wow. I think they were successful on like 25 bucks. <laughs> Swear to God, 25 deer. They were able to capture like 25 deer. It was some ridiculous number. I, I I'm, Don't quote me on the numbers, but it was a ridiculous amount, like $5 million. The best part about it is they could have charged for a special class for you to do urban bow hunting. And could have charged for a tag and could have made, there was, I don't remember what the number was, but they could have made like a million dollars instead of spending $5 million. And they would have taken the correct amount of deer out of the herd to make it a healthy population. Sure. Okay. And and wouldn't have traumatized the deer. Right. I, I had a buddy in West Virginia he was paid by the state. He was a paid sharpshooter to go kill deer at nighttime in the suburbs because those counties would not allow bow hunting in the suburbs. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. Zero. Mm-hmm. Absolutely zero sense. That goes on with predators all over and predators like all over the country. There is government trappers and. Absolutely. Why? educate the hunter this is how it needs to be done this is how you want you you know you're you're allowed to do it and charge them and now there's money now there's more money a surplus of money and it's not a liability to the state anymore it's stupid absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous but 
Yeah. I, and, and like you said, that's education. People don't know the, and they don't understand. And yeah. so I and, and you bring up another point when you're talking about how we have to talk to people. We need to be educated in those conversations. Exactly. I mean, when, when we become angry and we start just using name calling mm-hmm. and stuff like that is because we haven't done the work. And so all we do is we just react emotionally doing the same thing instead of an intelligent conversation that. You know, maybe that one person that you're that you're talking to, they might not want to listen. That could be where their head's at at that point. But other people around that argument are hearing it as well. So, you know, uh, I'll take I'll take four out of the five. I'll take three out of the five. I mean, right. That's a win. Right. So one out of the five is a win. Right. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. education is key. So that's I mean, I'm going to challenge your your listeners here. Go educate yourself on on the North American wildlife model, okay, mm-hmm. as best you possibly can. Arm yourself with the knowledge and then have open dialogue with non-hunters about it so that they understand. Yeah, it's it's really easy to to start a, a start a conversation by, "Hey, do you know, do you happen to know where the money comes from?" you know. I mean, it's kind of hard to throw that out of the blue, but if it comes up, hunting comes up, you can ask that question. And I guarantee you, they will not know the answer. And when you give them the answer, automatically, you could see a light turn on and be like, okay, maybe this isn't as, you know, barbaric or, you know, uh, whatever view they have of us. But, um, yeah, you got to start well, cha- changing hearts, hearts and minds because you, the middle ground. We've been saying that forever. The middle ground is the most important thing that we need to to you survive. You know, John, an, another buzzword that's being used with all of this is trophy hunting. Oh God, I can't stand that. Trophy hunting drives it's, me nuts. Yeah. So, and and which I have a I have gosh I have so many I, I'm a I'm a retired coach. I coached for 34 years, and you know, when people talk about, I mean, we live in a trophy society, you know, I mean, we live in a society that, I mean, how many billions of people are going to be watching the Super Bowl? How many are spending their days every Sunday watching that process to get there and everybody taking their kids because they want everybody to get a trophy. I mean, and and what does that represent? It's basically just something that that's supposed to be a memory of an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it means so many different things to different people, but it's basically, you know, when you look at that, trophies and honoring and memory uh you know keeping um special things in our life photographs are are for a lot of us are a sense of a trophy that we put up on our walls of our of our families our loved ones our favorite places that we visited you know i mean the whole selfie society is based on a sense of a trophy in other words an accomplishment that we did that we just want to keep track of as as we go through life and have those memories i mean there and and when they talk about trophies it's like people are just killing that just for um the strictly of just putting that up there and oh you know yeah. but you right. know and 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 I, look i think there are in anything uh, in sports and jobs and marriages i mean there's trophy i mean i hear about yeah, trophy, trophy wives uh, trophy <laughs> jobs and you know different things like i'm a that. trophy I husband <laughs> yeah, I, yeah there you go i am absolutely sure that there are people out there that that's that's their mindset yeah but that does not tag the entire thing for that small percentage and and i mean 
all of us try to, you know, learn and mature and live our lives a little differently. But, you know, that whole thing there, that's the one thing that that word is, again, and a word that has to educate. I mean, you can take a look since time. You can come here in Albuquerque and look on the on the petroglyphs where, you know, in caves, people have done drawings of deer, of their hunts, of their, you know, bears taking worn claws, worn the tooth or feathers or, you know, all of that is strictly to hold on to the specialness to the accomplishment to the memory so you know that that's yeah but again we got to be able to explain that with passion man and explain it in a comprehensive and an intelligent way absolutely absolutely i think you did a really good job of that right there (laughs) people can use your words there you go (laughs) <laughs> well so. so i you know and i want to give another uh you know you were talking about people educating themselves and how to read up and look you know i would suggest there is a podcast go look up um the western huntsman podcast mm-hmm. uh jim huntsman did an interview i think it was last year with dr valerius geist g-e-i-s-t and um it is one of the most incredible podcasts that you will hear from the science side on the importance of not creating a predator pit and the importance of the North American model and how the choices that we make are not emotional choices, but scientific choices that have to happen. So I, you know, I tell a lot of people go out there and listen to that. Get educated I actually plan to have Do your own research. I plan to have them on the show for sure. I, yeah, I, when you told me about him earlier, I looked him up. <laughs> I'm, gonna, uh, I, I'm already, I already started the process of reaching out to him. I'm going to have him on the show for sure. So, so John, what are the things? What are the proactive things that our listeners can do? Okay. Number one, to help with this situation in Arizona, but then let's talk about after Arizona. Well, the best thing you could do right now is go to Howlful Wildlife, sign up to be. A, a member doesn't cost you anything. You're not going to get bombarded with emails, newsletters, none of that stuff. The only time Halfa Wildlife is going to contact you is when something like this comes up. They're going to say, "Hey, they're coming for you know coyote hunting in New Mexico. Help us out." That's the only time you're going to get any correspondence. Doesn't cost you anything. Halfa Wildlife runs off of donation. Okay, once you sign up. Click on the Take Action button, and on there, you're going to see the Arizona um, Lion and Bear Band. Click on that, and you're just going to put your name and your email, and you're going to hit Send, and it's just going to put you It's going to put you in as that you signed the petition that you're against it, and it's going to automatically send your email to the decision makers that says, I am for science-based wildlife management and I oppose the um, excuse me banning of hunting legally hunting lions and bears and bobcats in Arizona best thing right. you could do so go it's howlforwildlife.org it's h-o-w-l for wildlife.org dot org yes I just looked it up right now okay it's super simple um, and once you once you've gotten started there, um, the actually, um, yeah, moving forward, that would be that's honestly the best thing because we're going to keep in contact with you 
on any issue that arises in any state that has to that negatively impacts wildlife management. Right. We're and, we're not going we're not going to get involved in you know um, like over here in Arizona we had a trail cam ban. Ar- uh, Utah just had a trail cam ban. If it doesn't automatically those are those are people problems. And right. we don't get involved with that. Our, our their goal is to protect wildlife and hunting and fishing um, rights directly correlated with wildlife management. So, absolutely. And and I would even encourage people, you know, to um, join organizations like Sportsman's Alliance. Um, uh, join your in your state. Um, you know. Uh, find your wildlife association in your state mm-hmm. that uh, that supports and promotes uh, hunting in your state become a part of that become active in that learn you might not agree and, and here's the other thing is, is there's there's parts of some of these associations as they get bigger a lot of times there's things done and stuff that you might not agree with do not just Throw the baby out with the bathwater, man. Get involved. Have those conversations right. within your organization. Make yourselves better. That's the only way we get stronger and better. We we are not able any longer to go hide in our corners anywhere in this country because somebody else's problem is going to find your corner. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Whether it's <laughs> whether it's through legislation because it happened in their state and they use that as a uh, template for coming to you or whether it's people uh, mass exodus from other states to come to your state so that they can enjoy what you have. And what ends up happening is that resource, that opportunity gets choked down more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And as it gets choked down, um, it, it, that means less people are going to be able to enjoy that. And is less people, again, less voice, more restrictions, less right. opportunity until, until we've lost what we have. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, what you just said that, that has a lot to deal with, with social science. We all, we talk about science, not emotion. Right. Um, right. even though that's, it's really, a a broad and not very well-defined term because mm-hmm. like I said earlier, it's, it's our emotions why we look to science to do these things. Right. Um, Correct. you're talking a lot about social science and that that's a science in itself. And so if you don't feel like you agree with everything, um, it's good to let your voice be heard within within your niche, within the organization, within, um, Mm -hmm. and that way we're better represented as a whole, you know? So, uh, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with that. So what I'm going to ask of your viewers, like I said, I already challenged you to be two or excuse me, your listeners. Um, I challenged you to, to educate yourself. I'm challenging you to go and stand up with your fellow hunter, whether you're ever going to hunt in Arizona or, ever do predator hunting or don't care about anything like that stand up go to howl for wildlife become a member sign the petition take you about a minute of your time to do so and um and also i'm going to put this out there we are looking for a new mexico representative um assuming you got a pretty big following in new mexico um Mm -hmm. and uh 
somebody who will be have their finger on the pulse and be the liaison with the fishing game department there for Alpha Wildlife. So if you're interested in that, just uh, hit me up on Instagram or something like that. John Stallone, DM me, and we'll okay. talk. We'll talk about it. So. Um, do you guys have liaisons like with like um i know there's the national wildlife federation but like we have new mexico wildlife federation each of the states has some of that do you guys work in conjunction with any of these organizations we are are trying to develop relationships with every pro hunting organization right now um that was we want to be we want to be their tool that that's the main goal is that (laughs) we don't want to see because right i'm going to tell you a little ugly truth about conservation groups there's a lot of competition between the two of them for money or between the two of them between all of them for money um and that's why they're very focused on their niche and that's why they're very that's why we fail a lot we what we want to be is the common tool that you know the mountain goat alliance and ducks unlimited can use to achieve the same goal and that's to stop these um initiatives by anti-hunting groups and that so our goal is to to be involved with everybody but not to be in competition or to be everybody's tool um to do that and i want to basically uh i want to see us all be one unified pack when the time comes to stand up against them. And that's, and that's the main goal. And, you know, one, once we've stood up together, then we break back off into our little clans and, and, and do our little perspective uh, or respective niches that we like. And, and that's it. And, but when, when it's time to, to protect hunting as a whole, we come together. Simple as that, you know, um, I, and I, I will include links and everything, John, um, for for all of this information in our show notes. Great. Excellent. I appreciate it. You betcha, man. Anything else, uh, bud, before we close out here? Uh, no. I think that's it. I think I've beat the dead horse uh, yeah. enough. Well, I, I've stood up on my soapbox enough. You know, just well, be, the, be kind to your fellow problem. hunter and, and remember it's, you know, uh, we're all in this together, whether you the it feels that way or not. The problem is it ain't a dead horse, bud, man. It yeah. keeps getting resurrected. <laughs> so, <laughs> every time we think that sucker's down, it gets back up. So, yeah. Well, guys, uh, John, thank you very much. Um, appreciate your time. Appreciate your passion. Uh, and and your intelligence that that you brought to this whole uh, position today here, and for everybody else out there, I uh, thank you for listening in on this special yes. edition of our Insights Edition. And uh, all I want to tell you out there, man, is get involved, become part of the voice, become part of the solution. Um, if we just continue to stand on, you know, be negative, to to not be united, we're part of the problem be part of the solution not part of the problem y'all keep dreaming of the screaming believing and achieving but most of all keep grinding until next time